Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. When your focus is on your problems, it's easy to feel lonely and helpless. But that all changes when you focus on God's ability to overcome them. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah returns to Psalm 142, which illustrates this dramatic change of focus. To wrap up his series, Overcoming Loneliness, here's David with the conclusion of God's Heavenly Cure for Loneliness. Hey, and it's Psalm 142 if you want to open your Bibles there. It is a great uh, tutorial on how to deal with loneliness. You can watch David climb out of the cave and climb out of his loneliness kind of all together. And he ends up with his hands up in the air praising God. That's where we want to be, not down in the depths. You've heard me say in the past that sometimes people ask you how you're doing, and you say, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. And the response to that is, what are you doing down there? You shouldn't be under the circumstances. If you're a believer, you should be on top of them. Yeah, we all have circumstances. That's part of life. But uh, David teaches us in this psalm how to get out from under the circumstances and get on top of them in triumph. We'll join David in the cave in just a moment. But first, I keep telling you about the important things that are ahead of us. And uh, men and women, I want you to be at one of these events if you live within driving distance of Tampa, Jacksonville, Houston, or Fort Worth. On October the 5th, we'll be in Tampa, Florida at the Yingling Center. Uh, October the 7th in Jacksonville, Florida at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena. October 26th in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center. And October 28th in Fort Worth, Texas at the Dickies Arena. You have to have a ticket for this event. Tickets are available at davidjeremiah.org slash tour. That's davidjeremiah.org slash tour. Order your tickets. They'll be emailed to you, and uh, you'll be ready to come and be with us for one of those events. Thank you so much for supporting Turning Point. These events are really important as we get back into the events now. We're going to need everybody to step up and help us. We haven't done this. We've kind of gotten out of the routine of it. So please join us as we restart the event schedule for Turning Point this fall. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk to you about slaying the giant of loneliness. It's kind of like the last major discussion of this subject. I hope you'll join us for the Friday edition of Turning Point and then you'll be you'll be blessed uh, with some other messages as we move to the end of the month. But right now, it's time for us to finish up our discussion of God's heavenly cure for loneliness. This is Psalm 142. Open your Bibles and open your heart. It's one thing to be depressed and to have some hope that one day things are going to get better. But David is down at his lowest point and he sees no hope of it improving. Defeat 
is just around the corner and he describes it in terms of doom. He says, I am imprisoned and there is no way out. Those are picturesque words, aren't they? What causes a man to be like that? You know that there are any number of things that can cause that to happen. It might be that those emotions come in upon a man who is serving God in some place of leadership and lonely servanthood isolates him from every other person because of his position. It may be that those kind of emotions are felt by a single person. Oh, how many of you who are single have come to say to me, Pastor, amen. I know what you are talking about. I understand that. It is a lonely world. Maybe those emotions can be felt by a person who is growing old and seems to be growing right out of his experience and memories and opportunities with those around him. Those kind of emotions are often felt by those who suffer and who are sick. Sometimes surviving a spouse that you have lived with for many years brings those feelings. Alienation from God, sometimes breaking up with somebody that you love, sometimes being a stranger in a new country or in a new city. Sometimes those feelings come because we are separated from our parents and from our loved ones. All of these emotions David describes are emotions that we have felt at one time or another, perhaps not at that level. But I have good news for you. David doesn't just tell us what it felt like. He gives us a clue as to how to deal with it. And this is the most important good news of the whole series because what I'm going to share with you in the next few moments is a formula that's found in this psalm that in my estimation is the best way to deal with depression and loneliness I have ever found in the Word of God. Some of what I may say is going to surprise you because it's gut-level honest. And yet it is not more honest than the words of David. So listen carefully and don't forget to try what God tells you to do with this information. I watch David in the midst of his lonely experience. I see him with all of these emotions being expressed and I ask myself, what will he do? And he tells me in the words that he has written. The first thing that I notice is that he verbalized. He verbalized. That's step number one. Notice how carefully the scripture records the fact that David cried unto the Lord. Verse 1, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Verse 3, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then knewest my path and the way wherein I walked, have they secretly laid a snare for me. Verse 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge. Verse 7, Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. Over and over again, David says, I cried unto thee. I expressed how I felt unto thee. He verbalized his problem. Now that may seem like a very trite thing to say from a psalm, but let me tell you that the first step toward healing from a lonely heart is to be able to express what you feel to the God in heaven who is your maker. To be able to come honestly to God and say, Lord, these are the feelings within me. I'm crying unto you. I'm opening my heart to you verbally. This is what I feel like. This is where I am. Our prayers are so benign. 
We come to God with our pious platitudes and we do all of our praying on the surface while down in here we're hurting desperately. And somehow the best friend we have in the world, the one who has created us and redeemed us, has never yet heard the cry of our heart out of the despair of our situation. One of the things that David teaches me is this, that it's all right to tell God what you feel. That's the beginning. That's the start. That's how a friend should be free to talk with a friend. There's a little book of writings called the Psalms of My Life, written by a man who expresses how he feels. And then this little section of the writing, he tells about an experience where he is away from home and away from his loved ones, and he's staying in a motel, and he writes this little prayer which is the prayer he prayed to God. And I think he's captured what I'm talking about. This is what he wrote. He said, Dear God, I am alone tonight, all alone. A thousand miles from home, there's no one here who knows my name except the clerk, and he spelled it wrong. There's no one to eat dinner with, no one to laugh at my jokes, no one to listen to my gripes, no one to be happy with me about what happened today and to say that's great. No one cares. There's just this lousy bed and the slush in the streets outside between the buildings. I feel sorry for myself, and I have plenty good reason to. Maybe I ought to say I'm on top of it. Praise the Lord. Things are great. But they're not. Tonight it's all gray slush. And we say, should a man ever talk to his God like that? Don't you think God in heaven knows that that's what you feel? Do you think it's a surprise to him? And don't you think that your father in heaven is a friend who is close enough to you and who cares enough about you that he's willing for you to come and cry out of the despair and loneliness of your soul and verbalize what you feel? I remember the first time I had the courage, verbally, audibly, to tell God, Lord, I really don't feel like talking to you today. (laughs) I really don't. I want to feel that way, and I know I should feel that way, but Lord, in my spirit and in my heart, I just don't feel like talking to you today. But you know, that's the beginning place. You start from there. God can take you from where you are to where you need to be. Now, the second thing you do is this. You visualize. Listen to what David said. Verse 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. David didn't even just describe how he felt. He painted God a picture. He said, Lord, let me lay this thing out for you. This is where I am. You see these sorry people you sent down here to help me? The distressed, the debtors, the discontented. These are the folks that are... And he paints the whole sordid mess for God. He just paints it and lays it out in front of him. He said, take a look at this, God. Look at this. David said, I poured out my complaint before God. He let him see the whole thing. That was not only good for God, that was good for David. Now, the thing that David teaches us, not only here but in his other writings, is that it's all right to visualize your problem as long as you keep it in perspective. Do you remember when the people of Israel were at Kadesh Barnea? And they all went over there to look at the promised land, and they all came back, and they all painted a picture, remember? And the majority reporters came back and they painted a picture of the giants and all of the problems over in the land. And they painted this whole picture. And what did they say? They said, hey, we're in trouble. 
Those people over there are big. I mean, they're like giants. And what was the rest of it? We're like what? Grasshoppers. So the picture they painted was the picture of them and us in the same frame. And then Joshua and Caleb, they went to and they came back and they got their paintbrushes out and they painted the same thing. Did they forget the giants? No, they painted the giants. But they didn't paint us. They painted God, didn't they? They painted the giants and God and they put them in the big... You know what a difference that made? That's why they could vote for the project instead of against it. Because in the frame where their picture was were the giants and God instead of the giants and us. You know, that's what we do so often. We paint our problems and we put us in the frame with them instead of God. What a difference God makes in any painting. Verbalize it. Visualize it. Now here's step number three. Recognize. Verse three. Recognize that God already knows what you're telling him. That's so neat. Verse three. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, notice this, thou knewest my path. You know, sometimes we tell God all of these things like we want him to find out. He already knows. Sometimes we come to him so tentatively, Lord, not sure I should tell you this. He already knows. Do you know it's hard to tell somebody bad news if they don't know not near as hard to tell them if they already know and the scripture teaches us over and over again that he knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tested me I shall come forth as gold Job 23 10 Psalm 37 23 the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord when we come to visualize and to verbalize our problem of loneliness before God in the same prayer that we paint this picture before God, we need to recognize that he already has seen this show before. <laughs> and he understands. What comfort and encouragement that brings to our heart. What courage it instills within us as we pray. Now notice, fourthly, we realize our provision in God. We verbalize then we visualize, then we recognize God knows. Now we're going to realize what we have in him. Verse 5. I cried unto the Lord and I said, Thou art my portion and my refuge in the land of the living. You see, what's happened to David is he started down here on the cycle. He's moved up and he's gradually come around the top. And now all of a sudden... Instead of seeing his problem in center stage, his problem has moved off to side stage and God has been moved into the middle and he sees God big and strong and his problems beginning to fade away. And he sees God as his refuge and his portion. And everything's starting to fall together now and to fit. Someone has written about this matter of God being our portion in the land of the living, these words, and I think it captures the whole thing. They put it this way. Friend, there's no living in the land of the living like living on the living God. There's no living in the land of the living like living on the living God. That's what David was saying. He saw his problem, but he saw his God. And he realized all that he had in him. Sort of like the picture we have back in Daniel. You remember when the Hebrew children were in the fiery furnace? 
And the scripture says they looked into that flame and they saw one in the midst of that flame like unto the Son of God. It is a picture of the words of Hebrews 13 where God tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. It is another way of expressing what Isaiah the prophet expresses in Isaiah 43, 1-3, that when we go through all of those hideous experiences like fire and water and flood and difficulty, that God goes through those experiences with us. And please note that the scripture says he doesn't go into those experiences with us, he goes through those experiences with us. That means there's going to be an end to them. We get to the other side. Annie Johnson Flint really has captured that in these words that she writes about Isaiah's promise. She says, When thou passest through the waters, deep the waves may be in cold, but Jehovah is our refuge, and his promise is our hold. For the Lord himself hath said it, He the faithful God in true, when thou comest to the waters, thou shalt not go down, but through. Seas of sorrow, seas of trial, bitterest anguish, fiercest pain, rolling surges of temptation, sweeping over heart and brain, they shall never overflow us, for we know his word is true. All his waves and all his billows, he will lead us safely through. Threatening breakers of destruction, doubts insidious undertow, shall not sink us, shall not drag us out to ocean depths of woe, for his promise shall sustain us. Praise the Lord whose word is true. We shall not go down or under, for he saith, thou passest through. What an encouragement. The God who is our refuge and our portion has promised to get us on the other side of the lonely, difficult experience. And that was what was firing the soul of David when he came to the end of that prayer. Now, what's happening? You see him working through all of this, and you see him verbalizing it and visualizing it and recognizing and realizing, and there's one last thing he does. It's the end of the psalm. He summarizes his victory. Read verse 7. Bring out my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. Now notice, the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. You see, where David has come in just a few verses of Scripture, from crying out unto God in his lonely despair, to finally the confidence in God that everything's going to be all right, and that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly, and God is going to deal bountifully with him. You know what's wrong with most of us? We try to get to verse 7 without walking through all of the other verses. You know, we come and we pull our belts in, and we pull ourselves up strong, and we stand up tall, and we say, Oh, God will... Take care of me. I'll be all right. He's going to deal bountifully with me. Instead of honestly coming to that after we've gone through all of the other cycle. It's all right to do that. You see, I don't know if that makes you feel better, but it sure makes me feel like I'm on better ground when I see that's where David's been. If it's all right for him, it's all right for me. Now, you don't want to stay in verses 1 and 2 or 3 or 4. You need to get to verse 7, but you have to go on the road to verse 7. Some of you, you know, you don't need this message. You've been in verses 3 and 4 and 5 all your life. I want to get you to verse 7. It may take a little while. But some of the rest of you, 
are pious, spiritual people who think that you live in verse 7 all the time, and it just isn't so. We are so proud and so self-sufficient and so determined we're going to do it our way. And God has his plan laid out for us. Theodore Kyler tells this very interesting story of a woman who was striving to find rest for her troubled and burdened soul. She was really going through a bad time. She was in her summer house all by herself trying to sort things out in her mind. She lost her husband. She was very much alone. She was trying to put her life back together. She was sitting in the middle of the big open room in her summer house. She noticed that a bird flew in the window. Sort of absentmindedly, she watched what was happening. It's one of those big high arching rooms and had windows up along the top and the bird flew in the window and then up at the top realized that it was trapped and confined and was trying to get out. And it flew against every one of the windows trying to make it out through where the light was coming in and nothing, it just banged against the window and sort of fell back and they would fly to the other side and bang against the window and fall back. Every time there was a little crack or crevice that it looked like it was possible, the bird just tried to force its way out of that house. And she just sort of sat there watching all of this, taking it all in. She thought in her heart, poor bird, why do you not come down lower and you would see this open door and fly out easily? But the bird kept wounding itself against the closed window, trying to force its body through every crevice that it saw. And at last, its wings grew tired and it flew lower and lower in its exhaustion until it was on a level with the open door. And then seeing the way of escape, the little feathered creature suddenly found freedom and soon its song was heard in the trees outside. All of a sudden, a light dawned upon this woman's mind. She said, I'm like that bird. I, through my pride and self-sufficiency, have been trying to fly so high to see the door up there. And God has been trying to humble me so I could see the door that was down here. Her heart was quieted, and she realized, even as did the psalmist, that though her spirit was now overwhelmed with difficulty, God still had an open door through which she could find freedom if she would just stop her struggling and humbly wait for his direction. I think that's the message God wants to get through to us out of this psalm. It's not wrong to be in difficult straits. We all go through them. If we haven't, we will. We need to express where we are and tell God how we feel. We need to let him bring to us in the midst of that open confession of our weakness the strength that is available to us through his word. And then we have to be willing to get down where the help is, to swallow our pride and our self-sufficiency and put all of the ideas that we have about our ability to handle every situation without God all behind us and say, Lord, you show me the door at whatever level and I'll go through. You've been in Psalm 142. You just didn't realize David was there before you. God gave you this book so you'd know what to do with the problem you have, how to respond to it, how to work yourself through it in victory as an overcomer. Why don't you let go of that whole thing you've been hanging on to 
Quit banging against the window of your self-sufficiency and let God have that problem. Will you do it? Now, you know, I love that psalm. You put a check mark next to that one, a little bookmark or something, because that's one you'll come back to often. Psalm 142, God's heavenly cure for loneliness. I mentioned to you earlier that tomorrow we'll finish up the week with kind of a summary message called Slaying the Giant of Loneliness. And then uh, Monday and Tuesday of next week, we're going to spend a couple of days talking about a life beyond amazing, uh, which goes back a little bit into our history. And then in, in the month of September, I'm going to teach for the very first time the life of Elisha. I'm very excited about that um, because I taught that during the summer of COVID outdoors. It's the first time I think we've ever done a whole series on the radio that was done outdoors. It was something amazing to be out in our arena that we created for COVID meetings. And Elisha was just the perfect discussion. Uh, That's all coming up in September. Well, friends, uh, have a good day. Be sure and encourage somebody today. You might meet somebody who's lonely and your words will make all the difference. We'll see you tomorrow. The message you just heard came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you send us your personal story of Turning Point's impact? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, God Has Not Forgotten You, and learn to trust the Lord in times of uncertainty. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow for a special message from the series Slaying the Giants in Your Life, right here on Turning Point. Legacy. When I think about my life and the legacy I will leave behind one day, I remember the legacy of faith I saw in the lives of my parents, and it is now reflected in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Then I reflect upon the calling God placed on my heart to preach and teach, and I think of the people who have been touched around the world through the ministry of Turning Point. Each of us will leave a legacy. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? In addition to the legacy that will be entrusted to your family, perhaps you have considered leaving your imprint on something with eternal consequences. Many people don't think beyond this life. They live only for today with no hope beyond the grave. But for the believer, we not only have an eternal perspective on life today, we want to leave behind a testimony of our faith so that others may come to know Christ as well. Long after you and I finish our time on this earth, Turning Point will continue to bring the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. There is still so much work to do. 
Will you join me in this very important effort? What will your legacy be? If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. 